Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Today we're going to keep going with this series about the new apostolic reformation uh, and some of their practices. Uh, we're starting to go off the beaten path here and we're looking at some of, well friends, to be a little blunt, uh, just bizarre practices. Now, like I've mentioned before, most of these, uh, even though I did not uh, attend a church that was into this whole dominionist uh, theology, uh, most of these practices I've taken part of personally. Okay, so I'm speaking from experience. I've seen this stuff with my own eyes. I've met tons of people who uh, also practice these things as well. So I'm speaking from quite a bit of experience now, today we're going to start really looking at this whole concept of binding territorial demons, uh, prayer mapping, going into areas and doing what's called a spiritual map or spiritual mapping where you go into an area and you try to identify what problems are in this area. What about this area is potentially holding the area back from coming to the Lord and having uh, these great revivals. Okay, so, you know, on the surface of it, you know, the motivations for doing this sometimes are pretty noble, okay? But I want to ask you this question, and I will continue to ask this question uh, as we go through this stuff. Uh, are, are they wasting their time? Is this just a massive waste of time? And uh, with all this what appears to be engaging in, in fighting these great extravagant battles with what appear to be imaginary monsters, uh, is this making us look silly? All right? And so they, they come up with this idea of binding territorial demons, or at least engaging them, okay? And this comes from the book of Daniel. It's uh, Daniel chapter 10, uh, verses 12 through 14. And I want to read this to you just so you kind of have a feel for this. Uh, so yeah, Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 to 14. And this is when Daniel, he, he fasts, okay? He needs an answer from the Lord. And then all of a sudden, the angel Gabriel shows up. Okay, check this out. And, and uh, then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, whoa, what is that? The prince of the king of Persia withstood me. One and twenty days, in other words, twenty-one days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there for the kings, there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Anyway, so here we see Gabriel, this angel, and it takes, okay, this is bizarre, and, and you guys can have this for free, but it takes him 21 days to get to Daniel. All right, are you catching that? The prayer makes it to God right away, but it takes 21 days for Gabriel to come and, and actually make his way to Daniel. Uh, I guess angels can't just kind of poof and appear right next to you, right? They actually have locations and they they can't just 
uh, materialize around you at any given time. They they have to go somewhere. They have to travel. That's just, I don't know, guys. That, that just fascinates me. And then we have Michael the Archangel showing up. And there's all these battles. We hear about these kings of Persia and uh, this prince of the kingdom of Persia. And if you read on to verse 20, you, you see this. Then said he, knowest thou of wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Greece, Grecia shall come. Oh my goodness. Okay, so there is some concept of, well, you know, I guess there is a little bit of truth to this concept of perhaps, perhaps, friends, there are uh, demons who are given authority over certain areas. All right? I suppose, I mean, that is biblical. It's bizarre. It's hard to get your brain around. Uh, but it does seem to be a concept that you do see right here in the book of Daniel. But now enters in the new apostolic reformation, this crowd that is riddled with bad doctrine, uh, gross sin, all kinds of sinful problems. And I'm not saying any other denomination or, or a group of believers is, is too much better. Although, the, boy, I hate to say it, friends, but these apostles and prophets do seem to have a, a theme here where you almost seem to characterize them by strange sexual problems, sexual sins, uh, really bad doctrine, false prophecies, uh, and all kinds of other scandals, embezzling money from the church and such. Okay, You just seem to see that so often. With these crowds, so many weird scandals and just odd things going on that you think, you know what, I, you know, I, I don't see God using them. I mean, it is a motley crew. But anyway, you have this new apostolic reformation group, these apostles and prophets, all right, and they're engaging with these territorial demons, or so they say, all right, and they have this whole elaborate form of warfare that they use to engage these uh, uh, territorial spirits. All right? And again, as we look at these, is this wasting Christians' time? Is it producing any results? Do you see it uh, exemplified anywhere in the Bible? Do you ever see a believer engaging these beings? Uh, what do you see? All right? And is it, lo is it making us believers look silly? All right, so they have tactics like this, okay? And we're going to look at each one of these, okay? So don't worry. Uh, spiritual mapping, all right? Uh, naming the demon or coming up with characteristics surrounding that demon. Uh, ad identifying sins or problems that have happened in a particular area and repenting of them. Uh, committing the land to the Lord, all right? Prayer walking. Uh, and that somewhat goes hand in hand with this concept of warfare prayer or warfare worship. Uh, there is the practice of breaking generational curses. I, I know some of you guys are going cross-eyed. You're like, what? what? I mean, what? what is this stuff? We'll look at it. And others of you are nodding your head vigorously because you realize, oh my goodness, you know, because you've been part of this or God forbid you're actually doing this. Uh, closing portholes. 
or I guess sometimes you're opening portholes. I've taken part of that. Uh, we believe that we were actually, uh, through our prayer worship and walking in circles around a room, we believe that, <laughs> sorry, guys, man, it sounds silly. We believe that we were opening a porthole for the angels to come through. We are opening a porthole to heaven, all right? A doorway to heaven. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and of course, in all of this, uh, another thing that lends power to these techniques and trying to break these strongholds over areas is submitting to your apostolic and prophetic coverings. Uh, again, look back to my series on covering theology. Uh, you must submit to your covering. And if you're out of line with your covering, well, that just messes everything up. It's a, it's a great out. For when things don't work correctly, it's always the people's fault, right? Uh, but if you submit to your covering, you know, whether they're right or wrong, it, it supposedly adds more supernatural power to what you're trying to do. Uh, prayer rallies and huge gatherings, all-night prayer events, fasting, praying, doing this uh, really frenzied and wild worship, okay? And you know what? Worship the Lord. Uh, you know, praise God. That That's cool. But is there that concept of using prayer, praise, and worship as a weapon against the enemy? Hmm. Is that in the Bible? Where did that come from? What is that? All right. So uh, what is the purpose of all this? Are you trying to take down these strongholds? You know, you're you're doing all these... Uh, crazy things to try and take down these territorial demons but for what end are you trying to well <clears throat> one thing is that they believe that god uh well he can work in a sinful corrupt society but really he can't do a whole lot all right and so doing all these extravagant practices you're allowing god to be able to work in an area all right you're you're it's almost like you're pushing back the darkness and when this happens, supposedly, you know, people just get saved in droves and these great big revivals take place. Um, because at this point, there's, all right, we all recognize that the Holy Spirit is what uh, really opens our eyes and draws us to Christ, right? Just us believers witnessing and loving and doing the things that we do to draw people to Christ, we're just working along with Christ. We get the, the privilege of being God's instruments, but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit that does all the work, right? Well, there's, according to their theology, there's all of these uh, spiritual forces at work to blind people, to keep them from the truth, right? And so they do these great extravagant uh, warfare techniques to bind the enemy and thus, well, give uh, us believers an edge, in get, bringing people to Christ, but also there's an element of church growth tactics here too. All right, there's there's your seeker sensitive, purpose driven church type models, you know, to really fill up your churches and make them mega churches. Uh, that is, well, you see that all over the place. Um, that whole seeker sensitive model, and it's and it's very business like. Uh, and it is, well, for the main purpose of just filling those seats and getting those tithes, right? Well, this, believe it or not, these tactics are also, well, it's almost like that the spiritual side of the purpose-driven 
uh, seeker-sensitive, fill-those-pews type model. Okay, check this out. This is uh, what Oral Dr. Oral Steinkamp says concerning this, uh, well, Peter Wagner's core teachings, his his model here with binding demons and taking down territorial spirits and stuff and such. Uh, he says, church growth ideas became the catalyst for the technique-driven methodologies of seeker-sensitive churches, employing marketing and managerial paradigms so popular in the megachurch movement. In turn, Wagner took the pragmatic concepts of church growth thinking a step further and applied them to the spirit world. He took the same pragmatic perception, but removed the battle from earth to the heavenlies in what he calls strategic level spiritual warfare. There's the SLSW again, his name for battling territorial spirits. Unknowingly, borrowing from the latter rain concepts, okay, the new order of the latter rain, Sounds creepy, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, borrowing from the latter rain concepts, he saw the church growth as dependent on defeating territorial spiritual rulers. The way to make a church grow is not primarily appealing to the felt needs of the people, but rather is devising a pragmatic strategy to defeat territorial spirit powers. If these entities can be destroyed or neutralized, the church growth we all desire desire will be assured. In fact, old-fashioned preaching will hardly be necessary once the hindering spirits have been vanquished. Rather than doing marketing surveys, a la George Barna, church growth for Wagner depends on mapping the spirit world, discovering what territorial spirits are in charge of any given locality, and then devising spiritual technologies and practices which will render them ineffective in keeping people groups from responding to the gospel. Spiritual warfare, then, is pursued as the first step of any evangelistic endeavor and the precursor to the great harvest that church growth has always promised. The technique-driven mentality of church growth principalities, whether in the current marketing paradigm or Wagner's spiritual warfare techniques, both put the focus on man instead of God. If you find the right marketing technique, then you can make your church grow. Likewise, if you prophetically can learn the territorial spirit's name, and if you can organize a prayer walk, you can grow a large church. Notice how the focus is no longer on God and the power of God's spirit and the preaching of the gospel, but rather on the brave new pragmatist who knows how to make it happen. God seems to be relegated to an interested cheerleader on the sidelines, applauding the implementation of the game plan organized in the megachurch conference groups or in the spiritual pentagon and war room in the World Prayer Center in Colorado Springs. Spiritual warfare evangelism coupled with another latter rain theme of a restored apostles and prophets is, in Wagner's view, reforming the global church for the new millennium. All right, guys. Again, uh, I ask you, is this working? All right. Is it biblical? Is it wasting uh, the church's time? And is it making us look just downright silly? I'm going to stop right there. Uh, friends, if you'd like to chat about this, if you'd like to talk to me, please contact me. You can get me on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, 
myworldviewpage.com, or you can just email me at mike at youthapologetictraining.com. I love talking to you guys, uh, and you know, as much as I can, I want to try and help people out, lead them to the truth, arm them with the truth. And so with that, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.